All right, let's go. It's Sunday Pour. Ready for the weekend over here. I'm uh, recording on what might be the worst night of the entire year. As uh, there is no baseball, we're going to test our ban on the C word tonight because that's why. Actually, you know what? I'm not even blaming the Yankees getting canceled on the C word. You know whose fault it is, Ant? Uh, Brian Cashman. Uh, no, as much as I hate Cashman right now, um, I'm, I'm still siding with the Yankees. And it's amazing a few days off makes me miss the, the shittiest Yankee team in years. I, I, I want baseball back in the worst way. And all it took was like two days. Uh, no Yankee baseball. I was like, let's go. I'm ready. Ready for the second half. Ready for a big move. Yeah, I know. I wish we were down 8-3 in the eighth right now. <laughs> Uh, no, it's Kike Hernandez's fault. Kike he, Hernandez. Yeah, he last week he bitched about he said they, you know because they're coming back a day early. He goes, oh, I guess twenty eight teams need four days off, but only two teams need three days off. Like, what are you bitching about, man? Like, shut the fuck up. Stop complaining about not having an extra day off. Stop. Get back out in the field, Kike. I I didn't even realize he was complaining. So he was complaining that they had to come back a day early. They didn't yeah. get the full four days. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, the Major League Baseball never stops, you know, uh, when, when it comes time to make money. And Yankees, Red Sox equals money. Like, all right, Kike, so does, your, so does you suiting up every night. I mean, that's why you get paid. And you also get six months out of the year off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. You're off from, uh, yeah. You got all November. You've all of November off. I haven't had a month off in my life. You get Christmas vacation from November through February. Yeah. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm at work on December 26th, Kike. It's a bad look. That's a bad, that's a bad look. I didn't yeah. realize someone was complaining about that. I mean, you know, we sit here and do the whole uh, spoiled athlete shit, but uh, honestly, shouldn't we always be like a little bit happy that we have a job? And you have, you have such a high-paying job also. It's like, I'm happy to have my job. It ain't high-paying. Here's the appreciative what you have there, Kike. Come on. Came back a day oh, early. Stop. A little tone deaf. He's an idiot. It's his fucking fault. So now, you know what? Now now he screws baseball. Uh, the baseball gods wanted to fuck him up, and now uh, now we have no baseball on Thursday night. There's no nothing tonight. Nothing. I have point break on right now in the background. Muted. I had um, – It's the best I could do. Bef- I was just flipping around before – uh, when I was waiting to get going, and um, MTV had a show called Mafia Families or Families of the Mafia, something like that. Okay, that rings a bell. And Sammy Gravano was on it. It's him and his daughter and his granddaughter. But, I okay. Mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I really don't get the point of the show just yet. Uh, one of the guys died, I guess. I was just Googling it before we got on here, and I guess the guy died like between seasons maybe so like this whole first episode was about trying to find out what happened to the guy and i'm sure they know what happened but uh you know nothing beats nothing beats good content like that so hold, well, on, I know, hold on to the I, I know he's kind of been doing he's done interviews the past few years he's kind of come yeah. uh, out from under his rock and well, he's got a prison <laughs> he was in prison oh, okay. for eight, he was in prison for 18 years <laughs> yeah there's really no there's no depths that reality tv won't go to i saw a show advertised i don't know what channel it was could have been vh1 it could have been some crappy streaming service 
It was called, I want to say something like Cartel Family, Family Cartel. Okay. Have you heard of this? No. It's nope. about people who grew up. Not, they're not in the cartel, but I'm assuming their parents were. Okay. It's like they're, grow, they're growing up like surrounded by that life and trying to distance themselves from that life. Yeah. And I saw this advertisement and I was just like, wow. I was like, there's just no place. There's nowhere they won't go with reality TV. <laughs> like you can complain about the Kardashians. What are they famous for? You complain about Jersey Shore. And now you have a whole, it's a whole other crazy element. It's, it's ridiculous. So Gravano's granddaughter, I mean, she's on the show. She has like her own job and shit, but she's like, I don't want to be just known as Sammy Gravano's granddaughter. I'm like, every time they show you on the screen, it comes up, it, it fills the screen. It says Gravano across it. And then you're there. You're going to be, that's all you're going to be known as. Like, whatever, it's, that is what it is. But you can't tell me that you don't want to be known as Sammy Gravano's granddaughter and then show up on, you know, this mafia family thing where it says Gravano next to you every time you show up on screen. Right. You willingly showed up to do this interview. Yeah. That's exactly who you are right now. Yeah. It's the only reason you're here is because you're his granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's all right. Like, she's not bad. She's not like, you know, no, not like, uh, I don't know, not a 10 out of 10, but she's not bad. And uh, but every other woman in the show is like exactly like what you what they say in uh, Goodfellas when Karen meets everybody. Yeah, they all have like bad makeup and or whatever. Oh, I forget the exact line. They wore pants. Oh, uh, double nicks. <laughs> yeah, and they all complained about their husbands. Yeah, it's basically what. <laughs> it's basically what. Uh, what channel is this on? It's on MTV. Oh, MTV. Okay. Yeah, I think I clicked it on demand by accident, uh, but it, I think it's. I think it is on live now, also. Yeah, because I watched. Is MTV a little late to the whole mob uh, game? Are people still into that? <laughs> I feel like it's kind of faded. Uh yeah. I think I think the um, once everyone started flipping. I mean, you had a boss flip. Uh, the, the head of the bananas. The bananas are always like the model family. But yeah. That, but that boss flipped. I forget his name. And uh, I mean, this it, it lost its uh, appeal. It lost its ro- romance. You know. I meant more towards like an entertainment standpoint. I, I feel like after the Sopranos, like the Sopranos was so good that like people kind of you know you had to run with Goodfellas up through Sopranos like a nice twenty year run and even longer because there was like good mob movies in the eighties too. I mean, I just Godfather, feel like was, Godfather was the seventies, so through Godfather seventies, yeah. yeah. I just figured, uh, I don't know. I guess people are still into it. I just don't know, like, who's watching MTV? Like, who's the demographic? Is it uh, younger that's... people? Is it is it thirties, forties? Is it people that grew up with it? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I wonder if it is. Like, I wonder if they do have a bunch of like older millennials. I guess it would be. Yeah. Uh that watch it because they're, they watch it when they were kids. Yeah, I guess that is. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. Who's watching MTV? Because I picture anybody under the age of 25 not even watching television. Not even watching television, period? No, just they watch probably Netflix or they watch, you know, some sort of streaming service. They, they come home and they throw on a movie or they binge watch a television show. Yeah. 
But then I also picture people our age who are like, oh, I haven't watched MTV in 20 years. So who the fuck, who the fuck is watching MTV? That's a good question. Me, but that's only because there's no baseball on tonight. This is their time to shine, MTV. <laughs> All-star break. That was it. I think, it, I think it's a season two premiere. So, yeah, it's perfect timing. Or you might, yeah. you might actually suck me in and get me uh, interested in what was going on. I mean, not likely, though. My wife, my wife was like, you want me to wait for you to watch it? I was like, no, it's all right. You can watch it. So maybe that's the demographic. People who stumble upon the channel. Yeah. People who are flippers. Thank, yeah, well, you're welcome for being a, a professional flipper. There you go. For flipping uh, uh, it was Then you discovered this last night? No, just tonight. now. I watched, like, I watched like 10 minutes of it, like right before we got on. Oh. Uh, I was watching, uh, have you seen the movie Captain Fantastic? I don't think so, no. Viggo Mortensen? No. Uh, about a guy who basically raises his kids in the woods because he uh, kind of hates the world. Kind of not, not so much wants to shelter them from it because he's very straightforward with, the, with them about the world and about any question they have. Mm-hmm. Just more of uh, just kind of kind of anti uh, anti the man sort of thing doesn't want his kids getting wrapped up in that so instead they live in the woods and live off the world is that an option <sighs> if i if, if i didn't like indoor plumbing as much maybe it'd be appealing yeah no electricity huh no they make fires they kill deer uh well that's fun yeah but I mean, I gotta watch a ball game, you know. Yeah, exactly. Cable, plumbing, central air this time of year. Yeah, I'm I'm stuck. There's no there's no way out. No, when you realize it, you're like, yeah, like yeah, I could, I like, hate the man. I want to stick it to the man, but I also enjoy the luxuries, the small luxuries of life too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but that no, was an alright movie though. I like Vigo. I'm a Vigo guy. All right, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have any problems with Vigo. I'm not like a big Vigo fan, but well, he did the Lord of the Rings movies, which I didn't really see, and he did he did some movies that just I know weren't for me. Yeah, but he's got he's got a few he's got a few in there. I know he could act. I like the I was him in History of Violence, right? With a history and him. Uh, is he gonna Eastern Promises? He's an Eastern Promises. Separate movie. Separate movie, yeah. Eastern Promises is good too. Didn't love the ending of Eastern Promises. I, I don't remember either movie really. Oh. Well, then, in, what's uh, the movie where they're chopping up bodies, like in the first scene? I don't know. That, that's and he's uh, he's a Middle Eastern kind of guy with a bunch of tattoos. That's probably yeah, Eastern that's Promises. Easy, <laughs> Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> he's a he's a guy from the from the Far East. Uh, yeah, you got to talk it out. Yeah, no, it's Eastern problems. He's a, he's a Russian gangster. Under he's undercover though, I think. Uh, he's undercover. He gets in a little deep. Right, because all those tattoos are to prove that he's in. Like you don't you have to have those that ink if you're in. Um, That's in, deep. Uh, in the history of violence, he is in the witness protection program. His family has no idea, and Ed Harris is the gangster that comes to find him. Oh, I don't think I saw that. Oh, dude, that that one. Uh, 
I don't get I don't get like excited often. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. You got check it out. It's a good one. I gotta see. History it. of violence. See, this is one that I could have seen. I don't know. Yeah, that was one probably right in your wheelhouse of watching any kind of gangster movie that came out. It was the early two thousands. Right. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm fifty fifty on whether I saw it. It just it, it's Ed Harris. Okay, just put this put that in your mind. You know, you got to see it. Okay. Yeah, fifty fifty on it. Ed Harris. Like now that you said Ed Harris, and I'm looking at it, it's possible I saw this, but maybe it's worth another watch. Forget if he's like blind in it or something. He's always Ed Harris. Blind. Yeah, forget maybe Vigo but blind him or something. I forget. Hmm. You wearing sunglasses in the pictures you're looking at? Let me see. Ed Harris. Ed Harris is. Oh yeah, he's got like scars on his face. Yeah, now I feel like I did see this. It's almost got a little bit of. Uh, what's the Mickey Work movie, where he's a hitman? Kill shot. Yeah, it's almost got a little kill shot feel to it. Not quite. Not exactly the same. But kill shots like he's a hitman. And he goes like into the you know some secluded house, right, to find him to kill. That's who kill else. shot. Something like that, isn't it? I've only saw that one once. Yeah, it wasn't that good. That was uh, he goes to kill Thomas Jane and Diane Lane. Right. And right. his little sidekick is Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, I forgot. I forgot all about that. That's all I remember about that movie. They're in the witness protection. Okay. Yeah, it's got a little bit of that feel to it. Those are two movies for some reason I always I've seen History of Violence a couple times. I've only seen Kill Shot the once. But for some reason they I always linked them in my mind. Uh, okay, so History of Violence. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I may have seen that. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That, what did, did you do did you get a year on it or no? Did you see Oh five. Yeah, that's like I'm sure it was on TV a few times. Yeah, it was on HBO. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he caught it at some point. Yeah. So then, and then last night I did a little homework. This this movie, I think we talked about this movie because it was on my DVR since February, and I think this was on your recommendation. The TCM movie I watched, Atlantic City. Oh yeah, nice. So you have oh. you have seen that. Phenomenal. Yeah, I don't know it that well. I've seen it, I think, twice. Um, but I, I think I liked it even more the second time I saw it. But I, like, I liked it enough the first time that I have to want to watch it the second time. I mean, I'm, you're, you're sold right out of the gate when Susan Sarandon's rubbing lemons all over her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They go like the smell off with the fish, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's pretty no, I, I liked it, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one, man. I mean, it's, it was a Burt, Burt Lancaster, right? Uh, just yeah. yeah, Burt Lancaster towards well, I mean, yeah, kind of towards the end. I mean, he was in his sixties by this point, probably almost seventy. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that I don't, uh, I never really saw too much of his younger stuff. He was actually in uh, that movie we watched back. We talked about it on the show too, the, the JFK conspiracy movie, right. Executive yeah. Action. <laughs> yep. Other than that, like, I know Sweet Smell of Success, that's on my DVR. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen anything else with Burt Lancaster. I mean, Field of Dreams was his last role, I think, Moonlight Graham. Yeah. Yep. But other than that, I, I don't really know too much of his work. I know the name. The name is iconic. Yeah. 
Um, can you recap just quick, like ten seconds, the yeah. uh, the plot of Atlantic City? Because I mean, I know, <laughs> I, I know it, and it's basically he's I forget I forget why he's got a connection with Susan Sarandon, but I know he, he tried to rip off some like younger gangsters. He's kind of like half. He's like a half gangster, and he. Yeah, he's uh, so he's like an old time old timer who was a part of a crew, but never really the guy. Right. He's more of a kind of. They don't really get into detail too much, but probably he's kind of a wannabe. Yeah, connect gangster. Yeah, there's a few things here and there. Not a knockaround guy. Yeah. Kind of like a like a. I don't want to even say a button pusher, but like it kind of an errand guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, oh, I'm afraid he's had a connection with that older lady. Yeah, well, her husband was a big shot, right? And when he passed, he kind of stayed with her to like take care of her, sort of right. thing. Yeah, and like she belittles him a little bit and says like her husband was a big shit and he's nothing. Yeah. Like she, she talks down to him. He bangs her though, right? He does. He does. <laughs> he does get the last laugh. <laughs> he does all right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, all right. So we'll start at the beginning. Susan Sarandon lives in Atlantic City. She wants to be a blackjack dealer, right? Yeah. Her so it gets a little messy right out of the gate. Her sister and oh, her wow. husband. When I say her husband, I mean Susan Sarandon's husband, who knocked up her sister, come to town, and he had just he just scored a. Uh, he got a hot tip about a brick of cocaine that was in a phone booth and he steals it from some gangsters. Right. So he's right. kind of on the run in AC. He wants to unload it down there make a few bucks. Yada, yada, yada. The gangsters show up. Obviously you see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up getting linked up somehow with Burt Lancaster at a little dive bar. And when Burt Lancaster is, I don't know, should I like spoil the whole plot for people? No, I think that's enough. Yeah. All that's right. Fun. It's a, you know, it's a Coke deal that goes sideways. Yeah. It's nothing that, uh, you know, it's nothing you haven't seen before, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. It was yeah, nominated yeah. for all kinds of awards. Best picture. Oh, he was really? nominated for best actor. She, she was nominated. I don't think they won anything. Best director. I think it was nominated for. I don't think they won anything, though. But they, they got a lot of nominations. Did it really? Yeah. It's also funny because it's kind of like it, um, it's almost like the downfall of Atlantic City. And it's funny to think because this is like the 80s. Yeah. And it's about him being like past his prime. And obviously the boss, like the bigger guy is already gone. Right. And the older, the woman is like hanging on to like the, 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 law, the glory of her younger years. Basically. Yeah, the glamour of AC. Glamour, exactly. That's what we're looking for. Perfect. And then I think the last shot, which is not a spoiler, it's just a, just a shot. But the, the last shot is a, is a demolition of a casino, right? Uh, yeah, it's a demolition because uh, it's a demo, but they're putting up a new one, right? Oh, is that right? Okay, all right. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. They actually mentioned Nucky Johnson in this yeah. movie when he's talking to the old guy. Yeah, yep. another old timer who's kind of hanging on to the past. And they're like, remember when Nucky Johnson asked us to go buy a hundred condoms <laughs> for that party? <laughs> who was obviously the inspiration for Nucky Thompson, Boardwalk Empire? Who did? So I thought that was interesting. Was. Yeah, no, <laughs> but yeah, it it does capture the uh, 
kind of, I don't know if, un, yeah, I guess a little bit of the underbelly of AC, like the scuzziness of AC, like he's going around taking numbers from all his clientele yeah, uh, that, in the beginning that, of the movie. Oh, yeah, that's where he's doing the numbers, yeah. No, it's got some essence to it. You get, you get a big feel of essence of Atlantic City. Uh, yeah. Is AC a place that's kind of has its ebbs and flows? Like, obviously, during, like, Prohibition, Boardwalk Empire times, it was, you know, almost like a place to be. It was, like you said, it was, you know, the glamour of AC. Even, even, and then in this movie, it's just, like, it's a shithole. And I feel like it goes through, <laughs> it goes through peaks and valleys, AC. I think it's always kind of been a shithole that has parts of like parts uh parts that are attractive to you i mean the gambling helps the casinos help yeah um, the shore helps like before the casinos got there ac was a destination for you know, the late like eight, the late 1800s like destination for people from like philadelphia to go and like spend a weekend uh like just r&r i think there were some like uh I don't know how much you want to call it, like, um, you know, some health, like, people thought there were certain health benefits to, like, the sand there, or they had something there. It was some, uh, something weird. I mean, this is, I, re I read that book, Boardwalk Empire, years ago. They talked about, like, the, you know, what came before all that kind of shit. And that was it. I mean, it was, it was always, like, a getaway, even before, you know, they had the casinos there. Well, right, right, right. But yeah, I feel like if I, I feel like no matter what, if you if you're a tourist and you ever went a block into Atlantic City, a block away from the casinos, you're just there's that's not where you want to be. Whether it was the '90s, the '70s, the '50s, you know, it's very easy to take a wrong turn in AC. Yeah, it's almost impossible not to. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because even in the even in like the parts you want to be in, there's parts you don't want to be in. Right. Yeah. Trouble finds you. Trouble finds you in AC. It's yeah. not. It's it's not easy. If, if if you're smart, go play a little blackjack, have a few cocktails, and be in your room by uh, twelve fifteen. But somehow that never seems to happen. Uh, my friend asked me to uh, to go to a, on an AC trip at the end of the month, and I can't because uh, we're moving and stuff. But uh, I said he's. I said I do want to get back there. It's been forever, and he said, you know, anytime, just let me know because he lives in Jersey. So easy for him to say. Yeah. And I was like, well, what about the Super Bowl? I don't know why I threw the Super Bowl out, but I asked him about the yeah. Super Bowl. Is that a amateur hour, like Atlantic City? And he was like, me and you at a blackjack table? It's never amateur hour. So <laughs> I, think, I think Atlantic City for the Super Bowl might be an option. <laughs> I think the, 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 the place where it will be a little amateur hour is the sports books, now that that's legal. Yeah. You're going to get a packed crowd down there for that. That's fine. That is what it is. I saw a thing going around Twitter today. I don't know if it was a barstool account or not. Mm -hmm. And it was a question. I don't know. Do you, do you have a, well, I'll just throw it out at you. Ready? You're playing blackjack and the dealer hat is showing a seven. Yeah. And you have a 16. You yes. hit every time. Not every time. No, it's just a feel. You got to kind of feel for it. I, I, I saw that yesterday. And they had uh, there's a lot of people saying you have to hit on it. Uh, I disagree. I think it's to me it's a feel thing. I'm sure it's also kind of where you sit in you know on the table and how you know if you if you if you're at the end and you see a you see a bunch of tens ahead of you, yeah. you see a couple of paints, I'd hit take take the chance. 
Um, I don't know. But if you it, see a bunch of twos and threes that come out before it, you're like, the next card's a 10. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a little bit of feel to it. The six, you know, yeah, I know you got to assume, but 16 is a tough one to hit on. If you're, if you're at a table with a lot of people you don't know, you might want to do it. But if you're at a table with your board, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with it. That's I don't I, either. I think it's a feel thing, too. It's actually one of the only hands that there's no real – or at least I guess some people would say by the book you have to hit. Yeah. But I think it's one of the only hands that it's not automatic. Because I mostly play by the book. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not going to do anything crazy like hit on a 18 or 19. I and mean, the dealer won't even let you. Sometimes the dealer will be like, "No, you know, you're not <laughs> doing this." Yeah. And you know, if I if I'm if I have like a 15 and the dealer is showing a six or less, like I'll stay. Like so, I'm I'm pretty by the book when it comes to it. Yeah. Th- that is the one hand. It is a good question. That mm-hmm. is the one hand that I feel like you could get split answers. Yeah, I don't think either one's right or wrong. That's that, that's you're right, and it, and it's the only hand where a little bit of feel for what's going on is involved too. The problem is if you it could very easily happen where, let's say you decide to stay, and then because you stay, the dealer ends up with twenty one. You're gonna hear some oh, yeah. shit from people at the table. Yeah. Have you ever cursed out a stranger at a blackjack table? Uh, no, I have not. I no, not even a comment. Like, come on, guy, get it together. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe you're asking the wrong. You, you should ask people I've played with because sometimes I'm not in any kind of condition to remember. Yeah, uh, I've cursed out dealers before. I know that. Well, that's automatic. You have to do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, I've just got I, the smart thing to do is just if you realize a dealer is breaking you, just try and. Sometimes it's too late, though. That's the problem. Just get up. I've, I've gotten up. Like, they'll, I'll be winning, and then they'll change dealers, and I'll lose two hands in a row. Ow. You have Gotta to get go. out. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst when they bring a cooler in. That is the worst. Oh, it's ter- and they rotate, too, like every 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. So when they bring in, like, and it, and it goes from someone who's friendly to someone who's just a stone-cold killer, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. You gotta know. You gotta know when. To, what's the Kenny Rogers song? No one to fold him. Just take your chips and go. Did you um? Did you play blackjack at the Stag this weekend? No, I don't think. The, I don't think the, the blackjack dealer showed up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. I could be wrong. Blackjack dealer was too drunk to show up. Yeah. Have you ever played Spanish Twenty One? Ventuno? I know. No tens. No tens. No tens. Just uh, there are face cards, but there's no. I think there's no tens. I had a buddy that huh. swore by Spanish twenty one. What was his reasoning? His reasoning was lesser chance that the dealer has blackjack, and my retort was: there's a lesser chance that you have blackjack. Yeah. So whenever I went with them, we would play Spanish 21. I mean, it's the same rules, same sort of thing. Yeah, just different Uh, deck, yeah. Right. What was the side bet that he used to play? Fuck. I can't remember. But anyways, the best run I ever went on probably was playing Spanish 21. Now, I'm not not here to, like, endorse it because I really don't think it makes that big of a difference playing blackjack or regular Spanish 21. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you will get hard stances from people. 
on which one is uh, more profitable or which one the, uh, the odds are better. Have you ever played Baccarat? No. I do not know how to play Baccarat. That's nine, but it's different, though. There's two hands, and you, you bet on player or dealer. And then whichever one is closer to nine without going over. And, I'll, and if you have, like, a 15, it's a five. So, oh. So if whoever gets closest to nine, wait, how does that work? What if you get dealt a king and a nine? Do you just stay with a nine? Face cards are zero. Right. So you have a king and a nine. You have nine. Nine, yeah. That's, yeah. That's basically blackjack. Basically, yeah. Um, and then I, don't know, then I don't know how this part works. Like, whoever has the biggest bet becomes the player. So I don't know if he wins more. I have no idea how that works. But oh man, this is this is too much to take in. It's a lot, yeah. But it seems Can't, it seems simple, but I think it's a it's a lot for a feeble minded blackjack stud like us. Oh, okay. I got the side bet for Spanish twenty one. It's tough to teach an old dog new tricks when it comes to casino games because I don't get to the casino much. I just gotta stick to what I know. Yeah. You know? Yep. I'll go bet black on roulette and then hopefully win and go play blackjack. Um so the Spanish twenty one side bet is match the dealer. Oh, okay. So if you get a seven and the dealer's showing a seven, mm-hmm. you'll win something. And if, let's say, you have the same exact card and suit, so seven of hearts, dealer has seven of hearts. It, it's, you know, it's uh, weighted by how big the payout will be. Mm-hmm. And, like, let's say you have two seven of hearts and the dealer has a seven of hearts, then it's, like, ten to one or twelve to one. So I think that's a big reason. I don't think they offer that in blackjack. No, no. That, I think that's really why my buddy swore by it. It's, it seems like a sucker bet, but when you win, you're like, oh. Or, or if you don't play it and you match the dealer, you feel like a schmuck. It's, it's, it, it's a, there's a lot going on. Can't win. You can't win. You can't win. You can't. Or at least when that comes to how you feel. You're always going to feel like shit no matter what. More often than not, you're going to leave the table. I don't think there's like any, shit. Yes. I don't think there's any like quirky side bets in blackjack. Are there? Am I forgetting something? The only one I could think. Well, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the, I mean, unless you want to count like splitting aces or doubling down, no, like no. stuff like that. But no side bets. No. 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 Right. You always double down on eleven. Uh yeah. Yeah, you have to, and you always split aces. Oh yeah. Yeah. We gotta go. We can play with the twelve. Two twelve. Have you ever have you ever doubled down? What's the lowest not like total you've ever doubled down on? At a real casino? Yeah. <laughs> real money. Uh I, I probably did it at nine at some point. Just like drunk and like trying to chase, you know. I've probably done it at nine. I, I'll do it on a ten if the dealer's showing some shitty like three. Oh yeah, I've done ten. To. Yeah, I've done ten. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta do ten. Yeah, no, I was I was I was thinking if I ever did eight. That's what I was thinking. I know I I know I did ten. And when you double down, it's only one card, right? Oh yeah. That's it. Ride or die with the next one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And aces right. you gotta split. You gotta split aces. Yeah. 
And what oh, are you yeah. going to do? Start off with a two or a 12? I mean, just split them. Two 12, no good. Oh, yeah, I got, I, I, got, I got a little itch, man. I got a little itch. I've been to casino in a long time now. Yeah, I haven't been in a while myself. It's, uh, they say blackjack is one of the worst uh, you know, games you can play odds-wise, but I just like the fast-paceness of it. Fast-paced, and you, you know you can go on a run. If a table, if a table gets hot, there's no better feeling. Everybody's, everybody's winning. Dealers Boston yeah. on every other hand. Nothing, oh, yeah. Nothing's better, man. And my theory, the way I play blackjack, and this isn't foolproof, obviously, <laughs> but if I lose, like if I – it's almost like how people play poker and they say you got to win one big hand an hour. Mm-hmm. You just got to try and win your big bet hands, you know? I might be sitting there betting the minimum. Let's say it's a $10 table. I'll be losing $10, $10, $10. If I could just hit that hand where I kind of – Let's say I throw like a fifty dollar bet and then I double down and like connect. Like that that could keep you. You don't necessarily have to win more hands than you lose. You just got to win the ones that count. That's that's a dangerous way to play, man. Just try just taking a chance. That's chasing too, though, because if you lose like three hands in a row, you're like, well, I'm due. Oh yeah, that's exactly my logic. (laughs) I don't think that's a good strategy at all. That's a recipe for disaster. That's just losing quicker. It's it's really I feel like you'd kinda of know what black how your night's gonna be with Or you could just or if you lose four hands in a row, you put exactly how much you lost on those four hands, win that hand, and you get back what you just lost. That's the way I look at it. It's like, yeah, I just lost four hands out of five, but I hit the fifth one that mattered, kept me alive. I, I don't think I, order. I, I'm I think I probably owe for my life in doing that though. I don't think I've ever chased and been like, Oh, thank God that thank God I did that, that worked. I feel like it's always like I feel like I think like I've lost four hands in a row. I triple my bet and I pull like like uh, I don't know five eight or something like that. That is tough when you go all in on a bet and you get the shittiest fucking hand. You have like a a fifteen against the ten, and you're like, I gotta hit this, and I know I know I'm getting I know I'm busting. Oh yeah, oh you know you're getting that king. <laughs> yeah, all done. You know, you're all you're all before it even starts. No doubt about it. That's my logic, actually, on wanting to pass on or to stay on a sixteen against a seven. Is it's almost you keep yourself alive and you make the dealer have to beat you yeah. instead of beating yourself. Yeah, and I yeah I know the odds. Are, the thought process is that there's a ten under there. Uh Always, always assume the dealer has a ten. That's yeah. the, that's the logic in blackjack. Yeah, right? yeah, but I mean, it's yeah, it never happens. I mean, oh, it happens. Actually, it does happen plenty. But I mean, when you need to happen, it doesn't happen. And even if the dealer does have a ten, that next card was probably going to beat you anyway. That well, card you hit, you got hit. That card you were going to get hit with was probably going to beat you anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but what? Uh, well, it's not foolproof. There's no foolproof method. Yeah, no, I know. But if it's like, what if that? What if that? What if that next card is uh, a four? So it'll give you a twenty. Um, but the dealer has, let's say, the dealer has an ace under there. No, not an ace. The dealer has uh, shown seven. Has an eight, and he's got a yeah. And then what if he beats, you know, somebody else has 18 on the table, you know? 
Yeah, and then yeah, you just, yeah, then just, you're the asshole. That's just what you may as well leave. But I, again, but if you're if you're on the table though, and you're hoping to beat a seventeen, like you might, it might not affect the players on the table. Because if, if there's a twenty on board, if there's an eighteen up there, and a, and a and a blackjack, and you're the you're the one that's stuck with the sixteen, and and the dealer pulls a seventeen, I mean, it really it really had to be a seventeen and a four to fuck you, so. It's 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 very hard. It's very it's very tough. That's just the fact that we're talking about this so long tells you that there's no right or wrong way. I really feel like you're not fucking the table too bad, though. I really, I really, there's a lot worse you can do. But if you're on the receiving end and that person who stays, yeah, yeah, I I think I I I would not be happy, but I I would depend how much you had on the hand. Yeah, and I would I'd also kind of understand. Yeah. I mean, if we're all sitting there playing $25 hands, like, you know, it's it, it gets nerve-wracking once a table full of people playing $25 hands and some guy comes up making $200 bets at that table. Yeah. That's when it gets I've, I've always preferred on, on, my, on my blackjack runs to play middle of the night. I can't play – I don't like playing during peak times. One, cheaper tables – Two, I feel like at – like when I used to go to Vegas, we made a point to always play two, three, four in the morning. Mm-hmm. I feel like you get the real diehards, the people who know how to play, as yeah. opposed to eight, nine o'clock on a Saturday when somebody's coming from dinner and they just want to blow $100 to, just yeah. to say they played blackjack. Yeah. That's where you run into the people that will screw you. Two in the morning, they're sweeping the floors. That's the best time to play. Yeah, and you might even you get a little camaraderie on those tables. You got a few of your friends and a few strangers, and you you, you kind of get all, all get along. And yeah, you, and you do something like that, they're not gonna get mad at you. They'll they get you. You know what I mean? And you usually get cooler dealers at that time because they're used they're used to dealing with the freaks. You're the yeah. you're the freaks. You know, you're dealing with the freaks of society at that time. Yeah, yeah, you're the that, good freaks. You're the good freaks. They gotta be. They got They gotta make light of their job at that. point. You know, I mean, you gotta just at least pretend to like what you're doing. You gotta be sociable. I think I liked the drunks when I was a waiter. I think I liked the drunks better than I liked the dinner crowd. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. I used to love when the drunks would come in. I was, I was, I mean, they didn't tip as good ever, but uh, I didn't mind them. You know, pretty easy French fries and coffee. Yeah, get them something greasy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that makes perfect sense. Ah oh, man, I gotta get we gotta get back up. Now we gotta get back up there. Gotta get back up there. Although the worst, I should should say the best run I ever went on was probably up at Mohegan or Fox, I think it was Mohegan. Mm-hmm. But notoriously, I've not been a good Mohegan Sun player. Yeah, same. I've always run hot and cold with all the casinos. Like I had like runs where I would. I don't think I ever won at Trump, but I won it to Trump all the time. Have you gotten up from a table at Trump and gone to Trump? Uh, I don't know. Again. Because that, that is – there is superstition memory. that goes into it because there was a place when I used to go to Vegas every year that I insisted at, on playing at just because mm-hmm. I used to win. For some reason, Vegas, specifically this one spot, I don't know. They just they, – they threw my speed. But I don't know. What, what could I say? They just – they used to hit there, and when you know when you find your sweet spot, you just gotta stick with it. Oh yeah, yeah, they're grooving in for you. 
Yeah, that was uh, Mohegan. I had a good run in the early two thousands, but not ever, not since. Uh, yeah, right. I had one good, my best run ever at Mohegan. Other than that, that was probably the one and only time I ever won up there. Yeah, still not, still not back to even, not even close. Never yeah. ours. That's what you're always chasing. <laughs> oh, trying to get back to even for oh, your life. Yeah. Never. Oh no. Yeah, keep chasing. Just something to pass the time. Uh, when was was it just me and you that went up to Foxwoods that one time? I forget even where we were leaving from. Foxwoods. Uh, oh, we went in the uh, like midnight, one a.m. time. It was late. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, we went to different tables. I I, I got killed yep. real early. Where were we prior to that? I don't know. I could not tell you. It was just a spontaneous. Blackjack run. That's the best time to go, though. We went around 12, 1 o'clock. You know, it's kind of thinned out by then. It might have been a weekend. I don't know. I, regardless. But it, it had thinned out by then. You can get a seat at a table. Mm. And you're with people who know how to play, for the most part. I, I got home, and it was light out. And I dropped you. Mu- you must. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember being done early that night. Maybe you went on a little wow. bit of a run. Oh, you, no. Oh, I know what you're saying. I don't remember. I mean, we left late, so. or maybe Because the, bar, the bars do close up early up there. Yeah, no, we went just again. We weren't going to party. We were just going to get Yeah. I don't know. I gotta, if you think, think about that, see if you can remember anything else about that night other than, or I guess prior to going to Foxwoods. Uh, we were taking like a pot brownie when we were 15 minutes out. <laughs> loosen, loosen you up for the table. <laughs> it, it didn't work. It didn't work in my case. It's too loose. Do we eat someplace up there? Probably. They they usually keep one place open late night when everything else shuts down. Oh man, I've always liked Foxwood. It just had more of a scummy feel to it, more degenerate see, gambler see, feel. See, they, I was able to play up there when I was underage, which I liked. If that was the original one. It was, right? That was there before Mohegan. Yeah. 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 We well, are spoiled, man. Not everyone has like that, those casinos. Like, I mean, they're not that close to us. They're an hour away, but not everyone has that. Mohegan is, uh, when I was underage, Roger Clemens cock blocked me there. Was he, was he, did he cock block you in order to benefit himself? Um, a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could kind of like, I could kind of see that then. Well, the rocket. Spit <laughs> fucking scumbag. So, have I ever told you a story or no? I think so. I, All right. Well, I'll tell it now because tell it for the crowd. Um. So, okay. Long story short, like my uncle was part of a, a foundation, and they'd always invite ball players up there for like their big event, and you know people will come, pay all kinds of money to. Uh, you know, just kind of schmooze with, you know, Joe Torre was there and uh, Zimmer and Stottlemyre were always there. But every year there'd be a couple of names, like Mariano was there. Uh, there's always old timers, you know, coming in and stuff. Whitey Ford was there, a bunch. David Wells was there. Uh, so th- this year was Clemens. I forget who else was there, but Clemens, Clemens was like the big name that year. And I was always a volunteer for 
the foundation, which was just just an excuse to get me up there, give me a couple of signed balls, give me a picture with like the the ball players that were there. Um, and there's a couple of years I did like some legit work, but most of the time I was just kind of there. Uh, so this year, for whatever reason, I was like on Clemens' uh, bodyguard duty or something. At some point, I was just kind of watching, be sure nobody got too close to him. Like at the end of the night, he was. Uh, it was like him and his buddy, and they were gonna go gambling. So like, was, I was just hanging around, be sure like nobody approached them, not like for an autograph for like a little yeah. bit early on. And then they're gonna now. Go is to... this Clemens? Is this Clemens Yankees Clemens or pre or post? No, Yankees Yankees Clemens. Yeah, Yankees Clemens. All right. This might have been Yankees champion Clemens. They might have. Well, he was. Him. I mean, they they won the first year they got him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um. I'm thinking that. Okay, never mind. All right, so I'm I'm standing by. I'm standing around, hanging around, be sure nobody comes up to him, uh, that kind of thing. And he's like planning to go to the VIP lounge, so it's like show me. It's like take me to the VIP lounge, and then I have to go look for my buddy. I was like, all right. So I take him to the VIP lounge, show him where it is, and there's like some chicks in there, and this one chick's wearing like this open dress like smoking hot and he knows her so he's like how's it going and she's like oh it's all right he's like who's your friend he's like oh i can't find him she's like no him points at me and as she's looking as she's looking she's like doing like rubbing like in her cleavage and and he just goes him that's nobody i was like oh roger you're fucking killing me man that's nobody come on bro you're not not a not a bro at all at that point, he's got to throw me the. He's got like, oh, I just, I just push away that kid. Be sure you didn't get an autograph from you. you no, nah, Clemens, Clemens isn't going to do that for anybody. Self-centered prick. Was to that point? Was he? A, was he nice to you? Was he a prick? Uh, kind of just kind of cold. Yeah, just kind of cold. Nothing. Yeah, not like joking around. Not being a fun guy. Just kind of, you know, he was like there. you worked for him, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could see that. That's how I picture him. Just treating you like the help. I think uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. There's a story. Another story, but it's not. It doesn't involve me. So I, I don't think I can tell it on air. I still. No. I don't. Nobody, nobody's gonna. Find About it. Clemens. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. Off, I'll tell you off air, and it, you know, I can tell other people off air too. But I just don't want to put it on the internet. That's all. All right. Not that anybody right. listens, but you know, whatever. I don't know. It's first time grown. First time I ever censored myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there you go. You got to approach approach my co-host, and I'll give you the uh, Roger Clemens off the uh, – that was the PG-13 Clemens story. You got to get the uh, NC-17 Clemens No, no, it wasn't, no, no, it's not – it's probably still PG-13, but just uh, – Someone you know shot him with the B-12 in his ass? <laughs> no. I would have gone live with that. Or was that his wife? That was his wife who did the B-12? Yeah, wasn't a B-12 shot. Clemens, what a schmuck! <laughs> it's not too not not too often you get a guy like Clemens who isn't beloved by really any fan base. Yeah, I know. one of the greatest yeah. pitchers ever. Yeah, it's right. It was he uh, won a Cy Young with the Red Sox, won a couple with Toronto. Yep, won championships with the Yankees, and everybody fucking hates him. Houston, he, probably, he won Houston, a Cy Young. He won a Cy Young with the Yankees. Houston probably likes him. 
brought him to a World Series. He won a Cy Young with Houston, too. He won a Cy Young with four teams, Clemens. Crazy sad. I bet Houston likes him still. I think Houston, if he were going anywhere, that team would probably give him the best ovation. Yeah, I agree. Yankees and Reds. Also, he's from Texas, too. Right, he's from Texas. Exactly. Yankees and Red Sox both kind of picture him with the other team a little bit too much. Yeah. Like Red Sox fans forget. I mean, he went to the Yankees. Oh, they hated him when he went to Toronto because he was like kind of they, – they thought he was like at the downside of his career. They thought he was done. Well, he they, probably would have been. Yeah. Right. Then he started juicing, yeah. Back-to-back Cy Youngs in Toronto and then going to the Yankees. Yeah, so he burned the Red Sox bridge easily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Early. Early he did. And to, when he was with Toronto, he won back-to-back Cy Youngs, but nothing to show for it. I mean, they, they weren't a good team, so that fan base is, barely remembers them probably. So, yeah, it's probably Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is your lasting memory of Clemens? God, my lasting memory of Clemens? Is it uh, of all the dramatic things, that? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think one moment stands out for him. I don't know if it's one like if you want to talk about his his greatest moments, it's probably uh, it's probably in two thousand against the the World Series against the Mets, and then the fifteen strikeout game, the game before against Seattle oh, with A Rod. The fifteen strikeout game was yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. He I don't clo- know if there's he, one he clo- game though. He closed out ninety nine. He pitched in game four ninety nine. Pitch right game four ninety nine and pitch uh, well too, which which was big at that point because he, he sucked ninety nine. Right, but he pitched game four. I mean, game four is a sweep, but uh, he pitched he pitched well in game four, which, right? Which was big because he had, not only did he suck in ninety nine, he's not ever been known as a playoff pitcher. And to be and honestly, after that, he was a pretty good postseason pitcher. Because, yeah. Right, and ninety that same year in ninety nine was. They went 11-1 and in the playoffs, and he got rocked in their only loss in Fenway against Pedro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So heading into 2000, you're right, he was this body postseason pitcher, but he kind of changed his narrative. I mean, he probably hopped back on steroids, but he was awesome against Seattle, awesome against the Mets. And then the crazy one- thing about 2001, was that? Is that a one-hitter, that 15-strikeout game? Yeah. Al yeah. Martin, only guy who got a hit off him. He's good. Good, good, good <laughs> ball player, Al Martin. I was like, Al Martin. And, the, you know, the, the ironic thing about 01 and what could have changed the, all, the, the complete narrative on Clemens, if they hang on to win the World Series in 01, mm-hmm. Clemens, there's a good chance that Clemens is the MVP. If you go up and look at the numbers, from, you, know, you could not have given it to an offensive guy because they, they were terrible. No, no one hit in that series. Mm. So you were stuck either giving it to Clemens, who, you know, pitched great in Game Seven against Schilling, yep. gave up one yes. run, yeah, I mean, or you, seven. or you probably give it to Mo if he gets the save there in Game Seven. So those yeah. are the two guys. And if Clemens is a World Series MVP for a four peat, Yankee yeah. fans might look at him a little different, even with the steroid stuff. Yeah, you're right. Who's the only? I mean, yeah, I guess there is no. I was thinking like there might be. 
there's big offensive moments, obviously, but no, nobody hit though. Like if you so, go look, if you go look at the numbers, nobody, everyone was terrible in that series. You could say you could make a case, even with the Brocious home run and Mister November home run, like I'm telling you, their numbers weren't good enough. No, I know, but I think like maybe Soriano might have been the guy if if you had if you were so inclined to give it to an offensive player. But I think I, think yeah. would, I think my guess would have been Mo. Probably would have been Rivera because he closed out game three and I think he got the winning game four with the walk-off. Yeah. Maybe even got the winning game. But yeah, it could have been Mo, I guess. He probably would have been the guy. And then the offensive guy, if you had to pick an offensive guy, probably Soriano because he had the game-winning uh, – he would have had the game-winning uh, hit in game seven and he had the walk-off in game five. So, yeah, yeah that one stings. That one hurts. Yeah. In terms of – Losses going for a four P. That one takes the cake. <laughs> so, it was also it was also like a good you know month and a half after nine eleven, <laughs> and, and I think I feel like the uh, I think the whole world for the first time was rooting for the Yankees. That's when I gave up on like storybook because like none 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 of it matters. Like none of it matters. You always try and look for like what would be the best story. Well, well, with my teams, I gave up on it. That is like a storybook, though, because I mean, it's only right that they, I mean, it just wasn't New York's year. You know what I mean? Like, it was, they got a couple of huge moments in New York. They probably shouldn't even been in the World Series. Uh, no, no, they got lucky. I mean, I don't want to say lucky, but it took, I mean, it took a big effort to beat Oakland. Yeah, they should have been bounced in the first round. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they had, you know, Two of the most amazing back-to-back nights is two of the most amazing games you ever see at that old stadium, which is again makes even more of a sin to tear it down. You know, a few short years later, like how do you have those moments in that stadium and like, nah, scrap it? Could have just made a little bit of renovations. It's oh been fine. It's really the great, the greatest sin of all time. I mean, <sighs> it's not good. No, it's not good. Um. Yeah, and for a long time, man, I know this is the second show in a row talking about it, but I thought about it. You know, for a long time, I felt like, uh, like I was just being like the old like curmudgeon guy. But no, no. About guess, the stadium, about the new yeah, stadium. Yeah, like, I know. I nobody really loved it, but I kind of figured like she embraced it. You're stuck with it. It's not going anywhere. But uh, no, that place sucks. <laughs> no, I think most. I think most people. I think you're in the majority with not liking the new stadium. No, I know, I know, but I still feel like kind of a curmudgeon, like oh, back in my day, you know. But ain't going anywhere. Not getting the well. You got to judge it by the stadium and the stadium alone, because yes, I mean the Yankees were a better team back 20 years ago. That's not even up for debate. And the moments will never. The moments you had growing up, nothing will ever compare to that. I don't see the team ever being that good again. I don't don't know if any team team will be No team will ever, ever, you know, win four out of five, go to five out of six like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you just judge it by the stadium, yeah, they they just kind of – they made a stadium that's more – there's no charm to it. It's just kind of like any other baseball stadium, some new-age stadium where you could uh, be in line for popcorn and still see – the game like who cares about that shit you know the kind of the changes they made they they kind of they made it more modern whereas like Wrigley Field still is in itself it's still you know it's an original yeah you know it's yeah. 
The house that George built, man. That's it. That's it. The house that Hal is going to have to refinance when he goes bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather, I mean, I'd so much rather suck in that old place than suck in this place. It feels so much better if we suck in the old place. Right. Oh, yeah, I know. But you know what? There's probably people who grew up in the 70s and even before that because renovations were made multiple times to it, who probably longed for the days, you know, when the monuments were on the field and it was 450-something feet to left yeah. center. So I'm, I'm sure there are people, as ever, with every generation, that will complain about, you know, the stadium. Yeah, isn't that amazing that the guys got bigger and the, and the ballparks got smaller? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, old old Tiger Stadium. I think it was like four forty to dead center. Yeah, I know it doesn't really make much sense. And was it? Uh, I forget. It was Abbott's or the Polo Grounds? Like the corners were like real short, but center field was a mammoth shot. I get you. I think it was. I think it was the Polo. That's why there were so many more triples back in the day, too. Yeah, you don't see as many triples. Uh Look at the Polo Ground Dimensions. I think it's uh, – so Polo Ground Dimensions. Yeah, left field, 279. Oh, my God. Talk about a short porch. <laughs> Center field, 483. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of ground in left center. <laughs> yeah. Left center, 450, yeah. Oh, and right – oh, geez. Right field, 258. <laughs> down the line. Like right down the line. And it goes like straight out, basically. Wow, that is crazy to think about. Google it, cause you're you'll not Google polo it. grounds. Yeah, Google polo grounds. Look at it from the sky level. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. And the polo wasn't the polo grounds in the Bronx. Uh, I think it's like, I thought it was like Manhattan or uh, like Harlem. I thought. Oh, cause I, cause it was right next to Yankee Stadium. Uh, Pole Grounds was the name of th uh, three stadiums in Upper Manhattan. What? Yeah, I mean that's a crazy. That's crazy. How short it is down the line, and then the outfield is gigantic. I guess the nickname was the bathtub because of how it looked. <laughs> Which, looking from a sky level, yeah, it's Northern Manhattan. I mean, it's it was up uh one hundred and. It's got a very, uh, it's got a very minor league feel to it with the all the ads oh, on the yeah. outfield wall. Well, except they're all like cigarettes and chiclets, gum. Yeah, uh, it's Harlem West, one fifty first Street. Oh, so it's right next to Yankee Stadium, basically. It's yeah. you can walk there easily. It's probably where the train comes in now, right near where the Polo Grounds was. Um, well, train no, comes in at one fifty third. It's on the other side of the water, though. Oh, okay. So it's not. So like it's on the other side. You know where the major Deegan is. Yeah. So it's on. It's on the other side of that body of water, off of uh, the Harlem, Harlem River Drive. Okay. So it looks like you can probably still go, and I don't know what's there now, but the body of land is still the same. <laughs> but is it, it really? 
I mean, from what I just saw, the the body land looks like just like the lot that you see in that overhead. Okay. There you go. You can go go check out the polo grounds if you're walking around Harlem one day. Check it out. Upper, Upper Harlem. It's really just straight down the line, though. It's crazy. It is crazy. If you hit one down the line, man, you got a shot. Yeah, a real shot. I never realized it was that. Uh... Oh, and then do you notice? I mean, this? I mean, there's an article that from Bronx Pinstripes that was written literally two months ago, May 9th, and the title is "The Absurdity That Was the Polo Grounds." Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. And it looks like in center field, it looks like there's like okay, let and like like you guys should call them left and right field. It looks like I don't know if it's bleachers or something or seats that come onto the warning track and then go back. And there's like a little alley in center field where like it looks like it could rattle around like a three wall alley back there. <laughs> there's there's probably a lot more inside the park homers back then too. Yeah. Who do you think has the most inside the park home run? It's got to be somebody from the 20s. I'm, I'm going to guess. Babe Ruth. Is Babe Ruth real? No, no, no. I, I haven't Googled it yet. Most inside the park home runs. I want to say Maury Wills. But Maury Wills. Okay. He played for the Giants. Yes. Uh, and, and he was real fast. He was, I think he was still on base king for a while. So in a single game, Ty Cobb had two. All right. No, I'm sorry. Greg Gagne had two. Ew. The most in a most most in a single season. Wow. Ty Cobb nine. Nine. Sam Crawford had twelve in 1901. Oh man. And it looks like the most ever is Jesse Burkett, 55. And he played in the 30s, Jesse Burkett? Uh, yeah, Jesse Burkett played uh, – no, he actually played from 1890 to 1905. Played for the oh New York Giants, God. though, so that makes sense. <laughs> oh, he only played a year for the Giants. All right. He bounced around. He played Three, – Three-time batting champion. Spread the field. Oh, man. In the 1800s, that's incredible. And then, uh, yeah, so Ty Cobb is 46. He's second. No, Tommy Leach is second. Was 49. When did Tommy Ty Leach? Cobb has the most in the Ty Cobb has the most in the American League ever. 46. Okay, that's a, that would have been a good guess. Ty Cobb. Man, who, who's the most modern guy on the on the list? So anybody, anybody from after 1950? They don't. They don't. Uh, they, this, this isn't. This this isn't a list. It's it just gives you like the the top guys, top three guys. Oh. They give you uh, guys who have done it in the World Series, though. Do you want to get? <laughs> I would have never remembered this. There was a guy who did it in the 2015 World Series, and I remember this now that. This comes up. He did it in the first inning off the Grom for the Royals. Uh, Lorenzo Kane? 
That was, I don't think this was against DeGrom, actually. I think it's might have against Harvey. Alcides Escobar. <laughs> okay. And know. before that, it was the first inside the park home run since 1929. Mule Haas. That's, that's awesome. Does anybody have two in the World Series? Doesn't look like it. Lou Gehrig has one, 1928 World Series. Casey Stengel had one in the World Series for the playing for the New York Giants, 1923. I think that's the, the only brand names on here. Roberto Clemente, the only player in MLB history to hit a walk-off inside the park Grand Slam, 1956. Roberto Clemente, that's nice. Clemente, 56. <laughs> I got your list. Casey Stengel also had a inside the park home run in the, in the World Series as a player. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the whole Wikipedia page dedicated to inside the park home run. That's why we have Wikipedia. Yeah, that's I can't believe you can't find more of those answers. I can't believe we're going to look Wikipedia for it. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping there'd be like a list. Yeah, where's uh, Baseball Almanac on this? This is crazy. Ichiro, the first player, became the first. Yeah, first and only player, it looks like, to have one in an all-star game, 2007. I don't remember that at all. Nope. Didn't, do not remember that. Man, I don't, they don't even have this on uh, baseball reference. That's crazy. Got to have more of this. Got to find it. Yeah, it just says Roberto Clemente home run on here. That's it. Wow. Pitchers hitting inside the park home runs. Po- this is po- no, I guess nobody talks about it anymore because they, they forgot it even happens. This is posted- ballparks are too small. These were posted in 2011. Although someone just hit one, I think, this year. Did someone just hit one recently? Can't remember. Uh, I'm sure it I'm sure they get a, you get a couple at a year. You get one or two a year. Someone's got to die and miss it though. Oh yeah, no. Back got, then, if you just found the right alley, yeah, you, you can make it happen. Yeah. Ty Cobb, yeah, for sure. Oh uh, well, I mean, I could I could sit here and search all night, but I can't. I mean, there's just nothing, nothing on the internet for it. Well. Jake Cronenworth hit one this year for the Padres. Against who? Bill, Billy Hamilton also, it looks like. Uh, I don't know who he did it against. Rockies, maybe? Yeah, so you always get a couple a year. I can remember Jeter. Oh, no, Zach McKinstry. So it looks like there's been three this year. All right. That there happens, you, more there you you go. happens more often than you think. And someone's got to fall down, though. There's a few big ballparks still, I guess. Yeah, if you hit the, the right place in Fenway, it bounces around. There's a possibility. You don't need right that. center field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where else though. Top of my head. Yeah, it was against the Rockies. Cronenworth did it. A bigger ballpark. Well, I think San Diego's kind of a big ballpark. I don't know because they're moving. Like City Field was a big ballpark, and they moved the fences in. I can never tell. I got to a minor argument today about uh, 
I, I think I was, I think uh, it wasn't really a discussion, but some, one of my friends said that Dave Wright's a Hall of Famer. So you see, was serious about it? I, I'm not exactly sure. I hope not. Mets fan, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we it was somehow came up that uh, we had met David Wright in the city yeah, years ago. Yeah, and they took a picture of him. It was four of us, and they went and they went knocking on his suite in uh, ESPN zone. <laughs> they saw him walk in. Yeah, he's walked up like knocked on his door. And, you know, some stooge opens the door. Can I help you? He's like, oh, we just want to see if we can take a picture of David Wright. He's like, he closes the door, comes, David Wright comes back, comes right back out. He's like, oh, man, you know, do you mind if you take a picture? He's like, no, no, it's cool. And then it's four of us and him. And he's like, well, who's going to take the picture? And I was like, I was like, I'll take it. I'm a Yankee fan. So there's a picture of them, and I'm not, and I'm not in the picture because I took it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at David Wright's numbers right now. The, the nicest thing I could say about David Wright is consistent. Well, no, well, yeah, he was consistent his first four to five years in the big leagues, but he needed another five or six of those years, and it just didn't happen. Well, I mean, if we're going to put guys in the Hall of Fame for their for four or five great years, there's going to be a lot. I mean, the floodgates are going to open. Did he is was it oh nine when they when he started uh to fall off? Was it really the move that fucked him? Uh well at first, yes, because in the oh nine he went ten and seventy-two. I remember that being a big deal then. But he right. followed it up with twenty-nine and one oh three. Okay. Twenty-nine right. dingers, hundred guys. Okay. But then after that, he was injured. He never played over a yeah. hundred games in a season. So and honestly, even in oh nine. He only played. Oh wait a minute! I'm looking at the wrong fucking shit. <laughs> that was runs. That was runs scored. Yeah, but no in, injuries derailed runs. him his last six years. At basically in the big leagues. Are his numbers uh, even as good? Like, so I always say, Matt is a Hall of Famer. Not even close to Matt. Not not even, even, yeah, all right. That's, he is kind of like they're Mattingly. I guess because he was derailed by injuries. Right. Uh, I mean, he, I know he went to a World Series, but he was never really on that good of a team. Mm-hmm. He's, his numbers aren't even – I mean, go look at Mattingly's five years. Mattingly's five-year stretch is way better than Wright's five-year yeah. stretch. Yeah, And Wright, was Wright ever a gold glover? He might have snuck in there. But uh, he, he wasn't uh, – people always went like, – so weird people always went gold gloves. You can't go by that. Except for a guy who wins like the gold glove like 17 years in a row. That you can go by. Yeah, like Yachty Molina. Yeah, Molina or uh, uh, like Maddox won a bunch, right? Right, Jim Cott. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, but right, no, right, come on. Ozzie's did you throw Mattingly? Did you throw Mattingly at him? It was it, it it was half, and it wasn't even an argument. It was just kind of it came up quick, and we never had time to progress conversation. No, no, it wasn't. I don't even know if he's been on the ballot yet, right? Like, no one's going to vote for David Wright. No, because didn't he hold on to He didn't really retire until even like a couple years after oh. he was done playing, right? Oh, right, because he came, he came back for that one game. Oh, right, yeah. That was on a Saturday two, night. Two years ago? It was 18, maybe, 2018? Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, David Wright. Not, 
Mets fans that love David Wright are so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's pretty. It is lame, bro. It's very. It is, lame. He was. He wasn't a good clutch hitter. There was never. He always left. Like he was homegrown. That's, Mets fans go nuts for homegrown guys because they don't have balls. any. They don't have any though. I know, but I mean, you know, you had Carlos Beltran, man. That guy put the team on his back. Okay, <laughs> that's why his knees buckled against Wainwright. <laughs> the weight of the Mets on his shoulders. Right, that's why. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Bel- I'll, I'll, I'll t- Beltran got such a bad rap with that team. He was clutch, such- man. Him and Delgado were were clutch. Beltran won, Delgado two. Wright and Reyes were nowhere to be found in big spots ever. Laduca's more clutch than Wright and Reyes. Yeah, yes. I used, to, I used to hate the Wright and Reyes love, man. It's like there's way better guys in your team than Wright. And Jose Reyes, <laughs> batting champion, man. True, he went out on top as a Met. That is true. Although he ended up coming back, but the first time he went out on top, second time was very forgettable. <laughs> Jose Reyes, Mets fans always latch. At least, at least they have Degrom now. The Degrom's like the Grom's a, the Grom's a yeah, bona fide the stud. Yeah, but prior to Degrom, man, they would just latch on to anybody. Greg Jeffries went back as far as Greg Jeffries, man. They love that guy. They did, they did like Greg Jeffries. Oh, man, before he did anything. I mean, and I guess after he did nothing, they still kind of did. But, I mean, he was their guy for a while, man. He was. He was. Yeah, I mean, they don't have much, you know. You got to give them what they have. Yeah. Now they have the best pitcher in the world. Maybe they could win, a, win something. They had the worst pitcher. Probably when was, not. When I was a kid, they had the worst pitcher in the world, Anthony Young. Anthony Young, I early nineties. Yeah, I think he might have set the record for the most losses in a row for a starting pitcher. Yeah, it sounds right. Sounds I right. Like, I was like that guy. Yep. Uh, yeah, D right stuff, man. He was a milk toast player. No, he never. No, he was an exciting player. No. He had some. No, he, he had some. He had some good had some years, mo- but good years. I'm sure he's had a few highlights, good moments. Yeah, he has a walk off against the Yankees against Rivera at Shea. That was a big moment. That's probably his biggest moment as a Met, though. What's bigger than that? I gotta watch like a D right highlight reel. If you Google top ten moments of David Wright's career, that's probably number one. A walk off. Against Rivera, yeah, top ten David Wright moments. That's number one. It was a regular season Subway Series game. That's it. That's it. David Wright best moments. Let's see what the internet has to say about David Wright's best moments. Ten memorable moments in David Wright's career on SNY. So you know it's uh, legit. Number ten. Yeah. Oh, this is never good when number ten is your debut. That's not good, unless no. like unless you went like four for four with a dinger and a triple or something. They were grasping at straws to round out ten moments. That's what that means. <laughs> he hit seven to the lineup, started at third base, and went hitless at four at bats. <laughs> yeah, that's number ten. <laughs> number nine, barehanded catch. Barehanded catch. Oh, I do remember that now. Yeah. Uh, number eight. All-star game at City Field. Ugh. Again, that's just all right. 2009. 
2013. Oh, okay. 2009 was Yankee Stadium, right? Oh, no, 2008 was Yankee Stadium. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, seven home run and first all star game at bat, which I do remember that. None of these moments are Hall of Fame worthy, by the way. <laughs> number six. No, nothing screams Hall of Fame. Number six, it's not even his highlight. Uh, Mets clinch and at least <laughs> number five. Number five, okay. Now we're getting to some actual. All right, let's go. Right breaks Mets hit record. All right, being the all time hit king on a team, that's big. That's the yeah. Mets. It's a bad, so somebody's got to be the leader. He's like 450 hits. 1419. <laughs> 1419 was the number. Oof. That's the oh, I thought. And they, and they slide. Look, you think maybe it's, it's going to get better? This is not good. This is WSNY doing it. Now you know. Number four, right extension. So he signed a long, he signed a contract in 2000. A horrible contract that he was injured for. That's <laughs> eight, number four. Eight years, 138 million in 2012. So he should have just got done playing last year. Yeah, it was a real <laughs> noose around our necks. That's why we haven't been good up until <laughs> Steve Cohen bought the team. Yeah, they were always complaining about Bernie Madoff. It was fucking David Wright and Bobby <laughs> all along. Right. Yeah, how come he wasn't getting like the David Wright day? Every At least Bobby Bonilla is doing sleepovers now. Yeah. Fuck is David Wright hobbling around with a walker. Yeah, how come David Wright didn't celebrate David Wright Day the first and 15th every fucking month, man? <laughs> Jesus. Wright yeah. uh, Homer. This is a nice moment, but number three, Wright Homer's in return in 2015. So after missing 115 games, he came back and hit a dinger. Okay, that's a nice moment. It's a night, real nice moment. Yeah, I do remember that too. Ah, uh, this is this. I mean, this is not a good. I think the person that did the list did a bad job, but uh, there must be another one. Uh, number two, Wright announces return and says goodbye. Oh, finally got out of that contract. Tough one. And number one is the World Series, but it's not. So they, they left the Rivera walk off off the list. Yeah, let me do. Uh, not not for nothing. That none of those. I mean, most of those moments were just. Not even moments. It was just like David Wright plays in an all-star game. Yes. Um, MLB has 10 also. Debut is number 10, so it's, again, not good. Um, number six is his, number six is his uh, game-winning hit in the, World, in the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> all right. I mean, his first country. Which I remember that, too. It was not a line drive at all. This I don't know how this ball dropped. Or was it? Wait a second. I mean, it was against Team Italy in pool play. I have oh, it up. Oh, he had a grand slam. That's not the hit I was thinking of, though. Oh. Um, exit Sandman is number three. Clever. Okay, gotcha. Number three. Two uh, better moments than that, huh? Um, we had a comeback again. Hit the home run. Number two. Uh, and then I, I guess game one of the World Series when he drove him four runs. Game game one of the World Series. Okay. No, it must have been games at home. Were they at but home? Oh, in Queens, yeah. Sorry, the first World Series game in Queens, yeah. Okay. All right, 
I mean, that's I guess. It's not, I mean, they did play in a World Series and they played in, in that LCS in 06. So he had plenty of moments. He had plenty of opportunities to deliver bigger moments. That just proves that he's not even close to the Hall of Famer. Because you can't even point to him being – he's not even like a Jack Morris where it's like, oh, the guy with money in a big spot. Like, he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice ball player. But, I mean, uh, it's just tough when you have to latch on. Injuries happen, man. What are you going to do? You can't have have a special wing in the Hall of Fame for guys that would have been Hall of Famer. It just doesn't work that way. No, 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 no. I'm just saying he had a nice career anyway. Yeah, definitely not a Hall of Famer. And uh, if his numbers don't even, aren't even close to Manley's, I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. Manley was incredible for when he was good. 198 postseason hitter. Ooh. <laughs> that was, not a Hall of Famer. Was that a, was that a gavel? Yeah, that's no more David Wright talk. He's banned from this show. <laughs> we did we did well way over on the D. Wright stuff, but uh, we can do what are you yeah, enough to David Wright to fill. Plenty of, plenty of David Wright filler. Uh, he, look, he never thought he was going to get that much time on Sunday poor, that's for sure. We did him a favor. No. Let's get to the post show. I want to bring up the NBA quick. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Have a great fucking weekend. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back, I think, Tuesday night. Game six of the finals may be crowning a new NBA champion. Uh, until then, have a tremendous weekend, and we'll uh, talk to you then. Could not wait to get to the post show. Like I said, the Bucks, you just you can't pour dirt on them until they lose a home game. <laughs> and even then, I mean, they may lose it in seven without losing a home game. Like I said, in the Nets series, you just can't – different team at home. Hey, you, like, that, was the, that was the recipe in the Nets series, man. Just hold serve and then can't get to game seven, anything can happen. Yeah. We have, we, I mean, we got a series now. We've got to see if they could break through in Phoenix, bottom line. I, uh, I, I missed the first half of last night's game because I was finishing up Atlantic City. So I did lock into the second half. Mm-hmm. I got pissed. I got pissed listening to uh, – Simmons talk about this because I don't know. I, I know he knows basketball inside and out more than me. Okay, but the way they the way they break down basketball, I I know they got to fill time, and I know all these shows you got to fill a podcast, you got to fill a uh, you know first take, and all these dumbass shows they got to fill time on. Mm-hmm. I think what this series just comes down to is, and I'll speak to our listeners at the third grade level because they will respect that. Because there's no reason to break. I don't think there's any reason to really break down this series too much. Both teams have very good players, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Filled with mostly role players. The one superstar is Giannis, but he's a flawed superstar. He has trouble with the free throw line. He has trouble shooting threes, which are important nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think just when you don't have that dude, that LeBron, I'll get like current guys, LeBron, Kawhi, Durant, when you don't have that guy, it's hard to win on the road in the playoffs. And I think that's why you see two, two after four. And now we got a series game five must see TV. You know, it's tough to win on the road. You know, MJ bailed at the bulls twice in Utah, Mm -hmm. barely got to score 45 with the flu, you know, 42, that, that clincher in 98. Like you need that guy, LeBron and golden state, LeBron and Boston that year. Mm -hmm. And neither of these teams really have that kind of guy. So it's like, 
I don't think there's anything to really break down besides it's it's kind of home, it's been a home court series. That's what it is. Who's going to step like that, up? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's going to stay that way. Maybe Milwaukee steals game five. Maybe Phoenix steals game six. But, like, the way, the way they break down the games, all these guys, you know, like Milwaukee has cracked the code. No, they got to play two fucking home games, and they won them. <laughs> That's what happened. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, is Chris Paul hurt? Is Chris Paul done? You know, De- Devin Booker this. You know, oh, Chris Middleton has finally found it. Chris Middleton might score seven points in game five. I just hate the I hate the way people talk about you know on sports talk. I even Simmons, who's, who's supposed to be this basketball guy, he leads the show with is I think Chris Paul might be hurt. Nah, man, he probably just had a bad fucking game. Like he probably just had a bad game. That's he's a thirty-eight-year-old. He's a thirty-seven-year-old point guard. Like he's allowed to have a bad game. Then he dropped thirty-seven in game one. Like I don't think Chris Paul's hurt. <laughs> I just hate I just hate the way I hate the overreaction. Everyone's guilty of it. We all overreact. We've overreacted on the show to one game or two games. You know what I mean? But well, I, we preempt it. We always preempt it though by saying it's only one game, but <laughs> Right. No, right, right, right. Like I don't know what's gonna happen. I, like it right now it looks like it's just gonna be a home court series. Like I would probably lean towards Phoenix winning game five. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't the the overreaction is just I don't know it's yeah. it's, a, it's a big flaw and but I guess there, there is no talk radio without overreactions. I don't know I don't know if I don't know if, if there's like the I don't know oh shit like the need to like carry on a, a not carry a narrative but like a need to like get something out there just so people can react to it. Like you want you want people to react to what you're saying. Like, do you have to come up with something, even if you're not being like totally outrageous, just to yeah. get somebody to either agree or disagree with you? I get, I get, I get, you know. And it, I think we got all. It's been home court series. It feels like it's been the Bucks' mo. I don't. The Suns are, you know, have had much. I mean, different. we said it coming into the playoffs. Milwaukee's very good at home and spotty on the road. That's exactly you, what they've been. Yeah, you said it. You said it. <laughs> yeah. You're first in the scene with that. So uh for years yeah. now in the playoffs. That's yes. how they've been, yeah. But that's like yeah, that's like the whole podcast thing though, is pe- people you know, it's not just like you know, we get on, we we bullshit about Roger Clemens and D Wright, and that wasn't planned. Yeah. That, that's just a conversation. That's a legitimate legitimately two guys just talking and, and not needing to stick to not needing to do a half an hour on game four. So they they have to force the issue. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, I get, you could talk about it, but I don't think it has to go a half hour. Like how how can two random Joes talk about the game without getting to like the game plan and uh, the different strategies of game five? Like nuanced conversations about that kind of stuff. Like, what are you going to do if you're not doing that? So I guess they got they got to do these things that are almost kind of narrative driven. Yeah. Um, I feel like the X's and O's are almost like, yeah, you can get into it, but I almost feel like it's a little irrelevant. There used to be some guy, I think it was on Grantland. He might have done it in the ringer, but there used to be some guy who would write these tremendous, like, they, I wouldn't read all of them, but like, they'd be tremendous insight into how they use certain players with like video evidence. So he'd explain the strategy and then, okay, see in this one, Watch how this guy pops out here, but on this yeah. one, watch how he rolls and goes to the baseline or something like that. And that was pretty cool. Um, but that's very, um, 
mean, it's a very niche audience that you're looking for. That's not the average everyday Joe. <laughs> no. Basketball fan watching that. I mean, it's very interesting, but um, not, everybody, not everybody can stomach that. They want to know, is he hurt? Is uh, this guy going to be MVP? Can, he, can, jo- can Giannis be MVP if they lose? Like, that's the kind of shit they got to talk about. Right, right, right. And we do some of that, too. I mean, sometimes that's just kind of part of the conversation. But, um, yeah. You know, we, don't, we don't come in saying we got to spend X amount of time talking about this, you know. Right, no. I mean, how do you – yeah, I, I don't know how you could spend – a half hour to an hour talking about one game. You kind of really do have to reach and just make up storylines. Yeah. Make up shit. Like I mean, the bottom line to me is both teams have gotten punched in the, that's that's a definition of a good series. Like I need to, first of all, if you're two two after four and you're guaranteed a game six, that's a great series. You know, it doesn't mean the games are gonna be great five, six, and seven, or five it goes only six, the games might suck. But I mean both teams have gotten punched in the mouth and now it's Phoenix's time uh, you know, chance Phoenix's turn to respond. And let's not forget the Bucks had to come back yesterday. Yeah, and it wasn't like that game wasn't in the bag with a minute left. Like it was that wasn't like it was, you know, home home cooking all the way through. No, they had to work to get there. So it's, uh, should they crack the cold? The honest block was ridiculous. I've never seen a guy block like an alley oop, whatever that was. I mean, that yeah. block was. Um, that's right now. If I guess they would have, even if they didn't go on, I don't know if they won the series. If they didn't win the series, that's probably the defining moment of his career right now. Is that block? I think that's going to go down, especially if they win the finals for sure. And that was crazy. Yeah, I've never seen anyone block an alley oop like that. Hey, you said it. You know, you don't you don't win unless you have a guy like Durant or LeBron on the court. Yeah, why that mystery series that he finds out how to be one of those guys in his own with his, with his game, you know, with his skill set, right? He's yeah. not going to be the traditional guy who's going to be hitting step back threes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got to do it on the road, and he's going to need some help. That's the thing. That's the problem is finding the help because yeah. the Suns probably like on a neutral court, the Suns are probably a touch better. Yeah, but I mean, it's a relevant conversation because. I, I, I mean, I still – I give Phoenix still the advantage because they're home. But all it takes is Milwaukee to break through in one of these games, five or seven, assuming hey, they take care of business in six. Hey, man, Giannis in the line late in the game, he hits two big free throws. Like, Yeah. But puts all that free throw talk behind him. It's like, look, did it when it mattered, you know? But Whatever. We got a good series now, 2-2. Two, two. Game yeah. five's must-see television now on yeah. Saturday. That's the way I look at it. We got, yeah. it. We got a good one. And you can't be upset with this series. I mean, it's no because Milwaukee. Milwaukee came through for everybody. I mean, if you're a neutral observer, they came through for everybody. Unless you're, yeah. you know, your Suns fan, you're a little mad. Because if they had gone down last night and lost the heartbreaker, there's a good chance it's over in five. Yeah. But now they gave you. Now they they gave you a series. Now they gave you some. They gave you 72 hours now to sit back and be like, "Whoa, we got a series." You know, anybody's game. Yeah. yeah I'm rooting for Giannis, man. I want to see. I want to see him. Uh... Yeah, I like Giannis. I, I do like Giannis. I, I, I like Giannis. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there you have it. He gets he gets one, and then he gets his whole career to get a second one, and then you know once you have two, it's like you're a different ball player. And yeah. You're seeing it. You're seeing it in a much different light. Yep. So maybe Drew Holiday could show up one of these games. Oh well. 
<laughs> yeah, I think he had a good game three. I don't even know. He just seems like he's – I mean, it's all these guys. I think you're, you see in the playoffs, you, the longer the playoffs go on and the longer these series go on, there's less and less players that you trust. Like, by the end of it, you're playing only seven guys. You just can't – like, Pat Connaughton hit one shot in the fourth quarter. That's all you're getting out of Pat Connaughton, you know? Take it. Like, yeah, you see now, like, the Suns, I think, are only playing eight guys – yeah. By game if this game, if it goes seven, you're going to see almost just the starting five staying out there. There's up. so few guys you can trust, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And in the game seven, forget this. The nerves will be, their assholes will be so tight. Oh, yeah. Bet the under. If it goes seven, bet the under. That's a little hot, <laughs> hot tip there. Always, oh, game sevens always go, uh, always go under. Teams are tight. Oh. So, yeah, we'll see. Milwaukee. Enjoy the Bobby series. Portis, Bob, shout out to Bobby Portis. He had a big game three. You're never. That's probably going to be the game of his career. I don't even know what he did. He probably had three points last night. You need those games, though. You need you need games like that from world players, though, where they kind of step up for. And at home, them. always. Yep, always at home. Very rarely do they do they happen on the road. At home, you just have a guy come out of nowhere. Home cooking, yeah, yep. Home cooking, sleep in your own bed. That's it. So there you go. Well, enjoy the rest of the series. We won't look too deep into it. <laughs> yep, we'll talk to you game six. That night we might. We'll see. We'll be breaking down rotations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're calling it live. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. All right. I'll get this out. It's a wrap. I'll uh, talk to you a little later, all right? All right. Peace.